0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the FGS podcast. This week, we are concluding our Heaven and Earth series with a live Q&A. We've invited Jim Thompson, a pastor here at Fellowship, to come and engage with some of our own students' questions. So let's posture our hearts to learn and receive God's word together, and we hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. And guys, uh, let's go ahead and welcome our dear brother, pastor, friend, theologian extraordinaire best-selling author best-selling author, author uh, dr. Doctor, dr. Doctor, Reverend the Apostle the Holy Pope in training
1: Jim <laughs>
0: yeah they're bouncing man uh, let's welcome Jim Thompson guys if you um, thank
1: you thank you so much
0: if you'd if you don't know, here let's scoot this over a bit. What do we need I'm to do? Scoot it that way. Wow! If you don't know who he is, Jim is one of the pastors here at Fellowship Greenville, and uh, yes, and we love him so much. Uh, some would say, some would say they prefer you in here over me.
1: Well, I'm easily um, the best barefoot pastor here. That is true. Yep.
0: Man. That is true. He is the barefoot brother. Um, listen. Uh, tonight is going to be such a great night, I'm so excited, I'm, ex- I'm excited to share this space with Jim and truly like, uh, you know, silliness aside, we've been in this series called Heaven and Earth Collide for, this is our seventh week in this series, and, um, and truly like I, I knew from the very beginning I wanted to end this in kind of a, a Q&A approach, and I could think of no one better than old Jimmy T here uh, aside from his, yeah one person is really excited to have you, man. Thank you. Um, aside, aside from Thank his... Thank you. Aside from his uh, lovability and, and the ways God has gifted him, Jim literally wrote the book on heaven. Uh, he, he has a book out there, a published book too, man, not just, not just in theory, but like it's got a, a cover and everything.
1: My mom bought both copies.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was great. Um,
0: so Jim, Jim, like this is kind of your world in so many ways, and so as we... You know we're talking tonight. It is a Q&A. We, we hope that it is somewhat interactive. We've been talking about it uh, for a couple of weeks. I had an Instagram story about it. But listen, everyone in the room tonight, as Jim and I are talking, if you're sitting there and a question arises in your mind about heaven or hell or earth or anything we've been talking about over the past six weeks, please let us know. Um, it's intended to be kind of a live Q&A. You can text this number right here. Uh, text that number tonight at any time. And we have a moderator who will be looking at those questions as they come in. We are not guaranteeing that every question will be answered. Sometimes silly questions come in. Uh, But we'll try our hardest, you know, if they're good. (laughs) Trevin, if they're good. (laughs) Uh, You know, and and they're, you know, on the spirit of what we're talking about tonight, we would love to engage with them as well. But we've got some other questions we want to navigate tonight uh, (laughs) as well.
1: (laughs) I'm just happy to be sharing this cup of tea. Matt, are you enjoying this, this tea? A, Here you go. This is a Cheers. lavender honey tea. It's very, lavender, very, very, we're killing very, very it. Refreshing. Middle-aged uh, white men.
0: Yes, I'm getting. I found this cup in the thing. Employee of the year. It made me feel real good. Um, yeah. So please engage with us there, uh, Jimmy T. We have been in this series over. <laughs> Stop looking at the questions. <laughs> Bro, I did nothing. <laughs> we have been in this series over you know six weeks now talking about heaven and earth, and uh, touching on these realms, quick overview. In the beginning, God created heaven on earth. We were in perfect harmony with God. There was a rebellion happening within the heavenly realms. Humanity joined that rebellion, oh, around Genesis chapter 3. And as humanity rejoined that, joined that rebellion, heaven on earth became heaven and earth, two separate realms. And as the realms separated, so did our space with God. And so men and women were separated from their relationship with God as well. The rest of the Bible is a story about how God is making that right, what he's doing in the here and now, and what he intends to do in the future. That's where we have been, that's a very quick overview of where we've been the past six weeks. And so, Jim Thompson... Hey,
1: Matt, I have a question for yeah, you. Yeah, man, lay it on me, dude. Yeah, what was your favorite part of this to teach so far? So that they know what was your favorite part, so they can go read their, you know, detailed notes and be like, oh, this is extra special now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think one of my favorite parts was, um, probably in the last few weeks, we talked about temples, the idea of temples in the Bible, like the biblical understanding of temple. And in, you know ancient uh, Middle Eastern cultures and ancient Semitic cultures, when cultures would build a temple to their God, whatever God they believed in, whatever God they worshipped, when a culture would build a temple to their God, there would always be a seven-day dedication period. And they would always have engravings around that temple, carvings on the wall or statues they built or whatever. And what we see in the book of Genesis, sometimes we can think the Bible is just meant to be this encyclopedia of answers, like, ooh, I want to find out about, you know, relationships and we, we go to some classic passages for that or like ooh yeah. I want to find out what God has to say about money and so we go to a classic passage about that but but the bible is way more than just an encyclopedia it's a living book and, um, and in genesis chapter 1 what is revealed to us is that god has made the earth in 7 days to an ancient middle eastern mind this would have been clearly understood god is metaphorically dedicating his temple in other words the presence of god the temple of god has always been among his people And so the story that, you know, the story that we believe, our faith, is rooted in this idea, it's so different than any other religion around the world, that our God has, from the beginning, wanted to be in our presence, to share himself with us, to be our friend. Uh, And even after we joined the rebellion and, you know, the realm split, the temple of God, that, that idea was not lost throughout the scriptures, it was manifest in Jesus, and now even in us Jesus, uh, the scriptures say that we are living temples of God, and so in a very real way, so many people around this earth meet the presence of God through God's people, um, and th- that would be those of us sitting in this room. It's just an amazing theme.
1: Yeah, and you, Matt and I were talking earlier about some of this stuff, and it's—I don't think any of us really, really believe it to the extent that we should. But it, what Matt's saying is like the place that God most wants to be is with us, and we just don't even believe that. Uh, because we would act differently if we, if we did believe it. And that's, I think that's with the ancient Near Eastern fun, temple imagery, and, and uh, language, that's the thing that's being communicated. And that's that's the goal of the, the Bible story is to to talk more about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
0: Jimmy T., I've got uh, 12 questions that were preset. They're already in there. We have slides okay. over these. But, but we're getting questions rolling in right now. Rolling on in. On my phone. Truly, we are. I don't actually
1: TV. don't know any of these questions.
0: I know. I asked Jim. I said, hey, man, do you want me to send you any of these before we begin? Gosh, no. And he said, no. My drug of choice is spontaneous yes, question and answering please. in the moment. So he is not prepped for any of this. Yeah, baby. Kinda, I love it, man. This is cool. It's my dude. favorite. Uh, question number one: Does Matt have kids? Um, I know. Believe it, I, I I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. I don't. <laughs> I do. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. I have kids. How many? How many? How many? I have three kids. Oh. Yeah. It's surprising. It's surprising to everyone in this room. I have three kids, two boys and a little girl. My oldest, yeah, you guessed, you guessed it. Uh, my oldest boy just turned six this week. We just had a party. Yeah. Thank you. I've been married nine years, nine years. Wait, yeah. when's your anniversary? October 27th. We just hit it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah.
1: I knew it was right around it was here. Nice. Yeah. It
0: was nice. It was nice. Um, I know, I never talk about my family, I never talk about my wife, my kids, so it's surprising to most people in here. They were in shock. They're always curious, do yep. you have kids? Uh, someone else asked, what happened to Matt's beard? Oh. It's a good question, because uh, usually I've got a nice beard going, um, you know, for Halloween, there, there are special occasions that, that merit a good shaving, and for Halloween I wanted to be, like, a big belly construction worker, and so, of course, he needed a mustache. Is that, was that your dream he job as well? A, he had to have a mustache to fit the the bill. And so it, we went to a trunk or treat. It, I mean, it's not even a church we go to. We just literally drove by it and we were like, free candy. And so we dressed. That's not a sketch. No, we dressed the kids up. I put a pillow under my shirt. I put some tools <laughs> around my belt. I had a hard hat. Oh, uh, what,
1: what would I have to do? We're, 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 we're making ground right here. Yep. What would I have to do to get you to keep just a mustache, a thick one, just the four bigote? C's thick for a month, just a big fat mustache? Just the bagote. What, what would it, just for a month? What would, one month? What would I have to do? I'd
0: have to lose a bet. I mean, it, it, would, it would have to be like okay. high stakes. I'll get on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something, something bad for you, something bad for me. I mean, it had to be up there. Okay. For sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Heaven and earth, man. Heaven and
0: earth. And mustaches. And mustaches. All right, let's, let's get into uh, question number one here. Here we go. Jimmy T., what is something that you are looking forward to when you get to heaven? All right, so the idea of, like, dude, one day, you know, you are going to be in heaven. You're going to go there. What's something here and now that you're like, dude, when I get to heaven, that is what I cannot wait for?
1: Um, I think my answer for this, can I, can I be playful or do I need to go straight theological? I want
0: you to be as authentic as you want to be.
1: My grandma died 10 days ago, and she makes the maid the bet. You guys are like, oh, no, she was a million years old. It we'll it be fine. Uh, but she made the best macaroni and cheese the world has ever known. You know when you're in that hunt for the best mac and cheese and you're, you're debating like consisti- consistency and like the fluidity and you just the appropriate like uh, amount of everything in there and hers had like a perfect light burnt crisp on top and so I, I don't know why I believe it, but I'm just, I just know Ethel's going to be slinging mac and cheese one day. Her name's Ethel? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude. I've called her Ethel for like the past 15 years. She's great. It's
0: it's so funny um, because, you know, in regards to this question, one of the things, and maybe this tucks into question number two that I'm going to ask you in a minute, but one of the things is like, when I get to heaven, I can't wait uh, to find my nana, my nana, my grandmother. I knew her here. She was this amazing godly woman. I kind of grew up with her uh, because my parents were divorced and we kind of moved in with my mom's. Uh, mom for a while and took care of her in her aging. And, uh, dude, she was awesome, like chain smoker extraordinaire. And. Dude, Ethel could put back yeah. some sticks. Oh, yeah. Dude. She, yeah. <laughs> like one gone. Like, boom, done. And. <laughs> and, uh, and Hershey kisses, man. Hershey kisses. Oh, that nice. was her thing. Nice. So, dude, like. <laughs> Cigarette gone, Hershey kiss in, yeah. and maybe maybe cracking open a can. Of dude, Pepsi. if you can do a cigarette, her, if you can do a
1: cigarette in one take, <laughs> then why are not you why bro, don't you have mints? Why are you eating chocolate? Her lungs, cover that ish up. Like you got to fix that. Bro, dude.
0: her lungs were extraordinary, man. One <laughs> hold, draw, one Hold on. Draw okay, on the, I do
1: have a, a more serious answer and, to this. And
0: not the che- and not not the uh, flimsies. I'm talking Marlboro <laughs> Reds, bro. Like unfiltered, just like all in, bro. Oh man, yeah. that's that, that hurts to think about. It does.
1: Uh, so uh, I'm still sticking with my Ethel answer because I love Grandma and her mac and cheese was sincerely that Olympic level. But uh, one of the things that changed my answer to this question now compared to, I don't know, 20 years ago or maybe when I was y'all's age or whatever, is that I used to think heaven was like floating around in clouds and like disembodied spirits. And it's like, is it really like a church service but a bad one forever? Like, do we have to wear robes? Like, are we, like is, is yeah. that the deal? And I, I'm sure Matt's touched on this. But nobody goes to heaven forever. Heaven is the place uh, where God uh, abides now. Heaven and earth will be together forever. And that includes a new heavens and a new earth with physical resurrected bodies like the one you have now uh, with like longitude and latitude, like the place that we call Simpsonville will exist in the new heavens and new earth. So like if you think Grand Canyon sunrises and sunsets are beautiful now like you ain't seen nothing yet kind of thing Mm -hmm. so the physicality of the world redeemed restored and rejuvenated along with our bodies perfectly equipped and ready to serve and dance and sing and and laugh and play and jump and rejoice and all these things any grandma's mac and cheese like it'll be a physical kind of space and place and our bodies whatever they will be will be resurrection bodies just like jesus's resurrection body jesus didn't like three days later be like hey i'm here and you couldn't see him he was just kind of a ghost in a random voice he had a physical body and so one day the new heavens and the new earth will be actually this place, but the best version of it past your imagination. And so a bigger, longer, more fun answer to number one is just endless exploration. Like I can go hike and jump off all the waterfalls, and I'll never get tired of it, and my body will never get tired of it. And I get to do that with all my friends forever. So that, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and somehow it will all be uh, like honorable to Jesus somehow, and it will be in service and worship to him. So I like letting my imagination kind of run with that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and we're kind of jumping the gun here because I'm trying to get us into some lighthearted I questions. I can't – bro, You're it's jumping to, like, question no, eight right now. No, we go 90. But, um, you know, I think there is some speculation, too, of, like, uh, Jesus' resurrected body had some unique abilities, one of which seems to be – I mean, the disciples were meeting in locked rooms. Let's go, baby. Rooms with locked doors. Right through Jesus the walls. Just, <laughs> he's there.
1: Dude, I'm so in.
0: Like, either he can phase through material objects or he can teleport or – there's portals that he can use. Uh, Luke 24, Road to Emmaus, two disciples are walking, and then all of a sudden yeah. Jesus is there. Yep. like, what are you guys talking about? Ah.
1: It's, it's and, that, uh, in the resurrection so, body, like, molecular physics don't yeah, apply. And, it and just... so
0: I, I think we can maybe healthily speculate that in our resurrected bodies, in heaven one day, um, <laughs> we will have abilities that, like, in this life we would consider super Teleportation. human. I mean, I, you know. But without the taint of sin, without, without the corruption of sin. Philip did it in Acts. Uh, the spirit teleported Philip. Yeah, just back. 30 yeah. miles down I, the road. Bro, I, I, I want to go to Easley. Right? I, just. I think, <laughs> I forgot something at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> like right back. Uh, I think, you know, potentially the ability to move through space and time instantly, mm. perhaps uh, fly, things like that. I don't know, man. Dude, I think I'm there's so some in. healthy speculation. That, that we, we will make.
1: adventure together.
0: All right, let's do it, man. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Jim. Number two. This kind of tucks in. You got to pick someone other than Ethel because you chose Ethel for number one. Okay. Mine would be Shirley. That's my nana. Shirley is her name. Okay. Good grandma names, man. Uh, but Jim, who is one person you're going to try to find when you get to heaven, and why you cannot answer with Jesus? Sorry about you. That is, too he's, obvious. he's and, here right now. And you, <laughs> because he's here. And you cannot answer with Adam and be like, bro, Dude, you, what? really, I'm, really, yeah, you God. ate the fruit? Like, okay. So other than Jesus, and other than Adam, okay. other than Ethel. Who are you going to find when you get to heaven, man? Oh, man,
1: that's a good take. Uh, I'd probably go with David because he had some wild wild takes uh, in, in his story. And also because he could shred. Like, he was a musician. So I would be on like. On the heart, Yeah, maybe. I would just be like, let me hear how it sounded. Like, I know how stuff sounds now. I just want you to give me the goods from 3,000 years before, you know, I died. That's what I want.
0: Yeah, and he shredded on the harp, which is not a shredding instrument. Yeah, the right? tuning. He would tilt it and just
1: yeah.
0: rip it, you know?
1: Yeah, man. Just like that. <laughs> and the zither. What are those other Old Testament <laughs> <laughs> instruments? The, zith- the shigayon and yeah. Habakkuk 3? Yeah. Yeah, you know, man. All, there's... Those,
0: all those goodies, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pronounced Habakkuk, personally. That's how. Habakkuk. <laughs> all right. All right, Jim, let's get into it, man. What is heaven? All right, so we've talked a lot about heaven. I've explained this uh, before in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament the word has three different meanings. So, one way that the Hebrew language uses the word heaven is a very literal application of what we would call the skies. You look up and there are skies. Hebrew language would say the heavens. Another way uh, the Hebrew Bible would use this is to describe the place of God or like the realm of God. And so, God is in the heavens. It's not talking about the literal skies there like clouds and (laughs) cumulonimbus, it's talking about the ethereal realm that belongs to God. High wispy, cirrus. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third usage in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, of the word heaven is the idea of eternity, an idea of like we are spending eternity with God in this place. And so they just use that word heaven for all three of those interchangeably, kind of like the English language does with love, but it has led to maybe some confusions about like, dude, What is heaven really? Is it a real place that we really go to? Are there like little naked pudgy babies flying around? And if so, why? (laughs) Please, no, please, no, Lord. You You know what I mean? Um, it seems like <laughs> I hope not. It seems like um, Renaissance art yeah. depicts a lot of like mm. weird things going on. Um, you know, when we think of angels, we think of very fair-skinned, very like beautiful beings with a glow. But if you read the scriptures and you actually take the descriptions of angels and seraphim and things like that, literally, they are the most haunting, terrifying creatures you could possibly imagine. Um, and, and so what, you know, it has 17 eyes and 13 wings, and like, whoa, whoa dude, like, what is this thing? And so what is heaven going, what is it? What is it, it going to be like?
1: Yeah, I, I I think the confusing bit is like what Matt said about the Hebrew word for heaven. It's like if I tell, if I just say, hey, what comes to your mind when you think of the word trunk? Like you can either do tree, or you can do car, or like if your grandma has one of those big things at the foot of her bed where she keeps stuff that you're scared to look at. Like you, don't, like you don't know which one I mean by the word trunk. And so it's the same with the Hebrew idea. Heaven, it could be a bunch of different things. But all of them seem to kind of overlap with this idea. That heaven is God's space where he uninterruptedly does his will and things go according to his plan and his agenda is the best and the sweetest and the most glorious, and it was intended to be shared with kind of our space which is earth. So heaven and earth are meant to be one, and so because of our rebellion against God, now heaven is kind of God's space, His place, His location, His dwelling is a word the Bible uses, um, and so that would be heaven. Now uh, I. I threw a little pastoral thing out a second ago of, like, nobody's going to heaven forever, and that's because heaven is going to come to earth forever, and I know you might have that preloaded in a, in a, um, in a question, <clears throat> but the biblical story is, how, does, how is it going to get back to heaven and earth together? Because that's what you were meant for, that's what we were made for, that's what God made the thing happen, um, and so heaven is the space where God dwells with saints who have passed on ready for Jesus to return bodily so that heaven and earth could be one. So that would be the heaven and earth story. But right now, I just I like the idea of heaven is God's perfect space where his agenda and his will is done in an uninterrupted way uh, that is waiting to finally kind of merge with with our space, our fallen, broken earth space. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah, so the tail end of
1: this question, do we
0: experience heaven only once we die? Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so because... You look at the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus' favorite thing to talk about was the kingdom of God, mm. or the Gospel of Matthew uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. And, and so he proclaims, like, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's right here. You can reach out and touch it. It is at hand. And so if that's the claim of Jesus. One of the things we try to navigate in this series is, like, that is a really um, beautiful claim, but also confusing because can we reach out and touch heaven right now? Yeah. And what would that look like? And how do we experience heaven here and now. In fact, one of the questions we had roll in. Oh baby, here we go. Let's go. Hot, hot, um, hot. Basically, is like uh, in one of my series, I mentioned the idea that heaven is chasing us. Like this idea mm. that God is pursuing us. The kingdom of heaven has always been advancing towards us, mm. even after we joined the rebellion and separated the realms. And so, what what does that actually look like? That heaven is pursuing us. Yeah. How can we experience heaven here and now?
1: Yeah, so the answer to the second question, do we experience it only when we die? The answer is, if you're a follower of Jesus, no. That's the answer. Um, And I do think what you have in Jesus coming from uh, the heavens, heaven to earth, what you have is the king bringing the kingdom, the the forever future king bringing God's future backwards into the present right now. Um, That's that's what it means that Jesus has come from heaven to earth. Um, And I do think... Uh see here's the deal you can't stop that so why why not will we, why would we not join it God's the extension of God's reign and his rule and his love and his grace and his kindness uh, when you get to the end of the Psalm 23 it says surely goodness and mercy will what does it say surely goodness and mercy will what does it say anybody follow after me oh like, good job yeah guys. hey yeah. 10 points Whoa, yeah, yeah I, that was that, Come on. 10 points okay so it says follow it says follow after you um that's not A terrible translation of that Hebrew phrase, but the word is a like chase you down, like hunt you down, like come and get you. So you dwell in the house of the Lord forever because goodness and mercy are chasing you down. And that is climactically seen in Christ. That when Christ comes, that is his pursuit of us. Uh, so that we will dwell, that's a temple language, that's kingdom language, that's heaven language, so we will dwell with him forever. And so there is a sense in which God is coming after us with his love and chasing us with his grace, um, and he has done that climactically in Christ. Um, And so when you trust in Jesus, not yourself, not your own agenda, not you think you know better, not to try to make things happen, not to try to feel better, look better, feel smarter, not, not those things, when you trust Jesus, when you trust God's plan for your life, which is obeying and following Jesus, then you taste heaven on earth. And the worst day heaven will ever experience is a broken day right now. And the best day, hell, whatever it is, we'll experience is a day where heaven has already collided right now. And so when we choose to follow Jesus, we live with one foot in heaven. And that's not a spiritual thing, that is a tangible, physical, like heaven has come to earth in all of the ways, just like it will be a physical thing one day in the end. So when you care for people, love people, cry with people, rejoice with people, when you give your time, your money, your effort, your energy, when you sacrifice just like Jesus, then that means you experience heaven on earth right now because he came to bring it. Um, and so that feels abstract. It, we, we Westerners like Amer- Americans, we divorce the physical and the spiritual that wasn't the case in a Hebrew worldview and like in the Bible. And so when we love people like that, the Bible would go, that's heaven on earth. <clears throat> when Jesus casts out demons, which is just a spiritual thing, quote unquote, Uh, Jesus goes, the kingdom of heaven comes upon you. Like when you do good things for people who can't do things for themselves and you do it in Jesus' name, the New Testament goes, hey, look, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the heavens. And so the answer to the second one is, do we experience only when we die? No, when we trust, follow, and obey Jesus and we live in his wake and we try to imitate him, then we taste the heaven life now, which blows our minds because we only think, okay, one day when it's lights out, then that'll that'll right. happen. Yeah, the whole yep.
0: phrase of like going to heaven when I die, very southern phrase, was really misleading. It's like yep. I mean, yeah, in some ways, but in other ways, like you you can experience heaven and even create pockets of heaven through the Spirit, mm. um, with what Jesus wants to do in and through you as, yes. as a temple of God. So uh, a mutual theologian that Jim Jim and I both admire and and really like his name's Tim Mackey. Tim Mackey has a bunch to say about uh, heaven and earth, really. You know, astounding theologian, but one of the things, one of the questions he poses is like, look at, look, read the Gospels through this lens that Jesus actually is bringing the realm of heaven, overlapping it with the realm of earth, and look at how he uh, advances towards darkness. Like, look, look at, look at how he uh, starts to deal with the realities of of hellish uh, realities. So suffering and pain and evil and and, and horrific things that are happening on earth, look at how Jesus <laughs> deals with them, and, and one of the phrases that uh, he uses and likes to use is that Jesus literally is, is trying to get the hell out of earth, um, like a little tongue-in-cheek thing there, you, you can kind of giggle at that, it's funny, like, ah, uh. all right, but Jesus Jesus is, is, is getting the, <laughs> thank you, uh, Jesus is getting the hell out of earth, um, that, that in a very real way, through the presence of Jesus The way he goes after the supernatural realm, the way he goes after the natural realm, the way he interacts with people, he is creating pockets and realities of heaven here and now that are foreshadowings, tastings of what is to come. And so we think about the kingdom in this way. It is the already but not yet kingdom. It is here but not fully here yet. And Jesus is getting the realities of hell out of earth uh, here and now and one day
1: fully. And I love that take of... of the kingdom of heaven doesn't just come to earth like the heaven space comes to the earth space in Jesus, but the heaven space comes after the dirty spaces of earth, hell. Um, I don't know, I mean, you guys are, what, 16, 17? Uh, yeah, that too. Congrats, <laughs> everybody. Now, one, two, th- uh But here's, I don't know if you think. <laughs>
0: 15 I and a
1: half. <laughs> I don't know if you think about your faith like this. Um But I used to think about my faith as when I die, the good stuff will happen, so get me out of here. My faith was an escapist faith, like, and here's what an escapist faith will do to you. It will make you worship at the idol of comfort, now, your phone's are gonna make you do that, to just be like, what do I have to do to feel safe, to feel protected, to feel comfortable all the time? Because comfort is my God, it's my idol. I would never say that or speak that, but my actions testify that that's the case. So the kingdom of heaven coming to earth is the exact opposite of that. It looks at the pain and the suffering and the brokenness in the world and goes, you better look out, because like, I'm coming to get you in Jesus' name. I'm coming to serve there and love there in Jesus' name. So I love that idea that Matt's talking about, that old Tim Mackey mentions, of just like... <clears throat> Jesus, the hell that has invaded earth, the sin, death, and hell that has invaded earth, Jesus has come to get the hell out of earth, to get the sin out of earth, to get the death out of earth, and that's what he has come to do. And as we follow him, we participate with him in that project of purging earth from sin, death, and hell, which blows, I mean, it blows my mind, because sometimes I just feel so distracted by my own sin, I can't believe God would even use me to help be um, an instrument of, of that kind of purge in other people's life of that kind of uh, sanctification in other people's lives. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jimmy T, man, we're, we're getting tons of questions rolling in, which is great. Should we do a lightning round? <laughs> we can do some lightning round. We can do some lightning round. One of the questions that's come in, and it's always really entertaining to think about, is if you read, we're not going slides, we're going off the cuff here, if you read the Bible.
1: God, I like that. Let's start there. <laughs> it's, it's a big fat if, all if, right? If you
0: read the Bible. uh God creates Adam and Eve, okay?
1: Man Why is this woman. funny already? Man
0: and woman. Um, and Adam and Eve have two sons, yes. Cain and Abel. And if you follow the biblical narrative, Cain kills Abel. And so now we are down to Cain, okay? So it's, it's I'm Adam taking my Eve, jacket off. It's Adam, Eve, and Cain. And then Adam and Eve conceive later, and they have another son named Seth, all right? Now we're back to four. Population is really growing rapidly in this thing. But somewhere in between there, God uh, punishes Cain for murdering Abel. And the punishment, very similar, very similar to Adam and Eve for rebelling against God, the punishment is kind of an exile of sorts. Like, dude, you're out, man. Like, I, I'm going to remove you. And Cain's response to God is, this is too severe of a punishment. If they find me, they will kill me. And God says, no, 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 no. My boy, Cain, my dude. I'm going to put a mark on you. And if anyone sees that mark, they're going to know you're under my protection. And basically if they mess with you, they know that they're going to be cursed by me. No one will mess with you. And so Cain departs. The question is, who is he afraid of? Because at this point in the genealogy, we have Adam, Eve, Cain, and Seth. He has to go somewhere, and yep. his response is they will ca- who is they? Yep. Who's he afraid of? <laughs> And it seems like in the nooks and crannies of Genesis, there's all of these populations and cities happening yeah. in and around Adam and Eve and the descendants at first. And so, what's going on within the genealogy of the? Oh, beginning? that's delightful. That's delightful. Makes um, sense. Yeah. Do you guys ever well, notice this before? Do you guys <laughs> you ever notice Cain's afraid of people? Whoever like sent out there? this is. I'm kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building on the. I, I just want to know. I don't. Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you get to the literary fun parts of Genesis, in Genesis 1, 1 to 2, 3... The phrase, and God said, is used 10 times. That's 10 times God speaks. Does God ever say anything else 10 times? Good, 10 commandments. So that's 10 God speakings. Genesis 5 is a genealogy. There are 10 people in the genealogy. That's 10 God speakings. Every time God speaks 10 times, it's about life. 10 times God speaks, ec- Genesis 1, life. 10 times God speaks, Exodus 20, 10 commandments. That's about life. Life of the genealogy, Genesis 5. <clears throat> There's another genealogy in Genesis 11. That's 10, ge- 10 people in genealogy. So this is God speaking, providing life, fruitful, multiply. So when you get to the genealogy of Genesis Genesis 5, and God's speaking about life, <clears throat> it is Cain's story that wants to fight against that. I don't care what God says, and I want to choose death, and in order in order for Cain to fight against all those people and feel all those things, um, what you have is you have, in the genealogies there, you have everybody living a, a, a dang long time. Yeah. Everybody's like 800 years, 900 years, which... That's a That can be a weird question on its own, yep. but if people live that long, everybody just starts having a bunch of babies, and then so you get down to this common denominator, which is who is Cain's wife? Yep. That's the common denominator. Yeah, and I left that out. That yeah. He has
0: a wife that he takes with him. Yeah, so that where would does be, come from?
1: so if you can answer that question, then the who are the they that Cain should freak out about? Uh, that question starts to answer itself over time, um, and so with that question, here's how I answer that. If this table was a uh, a, a huge, huge, huge lake, I just forget that, let's say this whole room is a huge lake, and uh, a rock of sin and was dropped into the very middle of the lake, um, it would take a while for the ripples of that sin rock to reach the shore of human biology, or human uh, mental whatever. And so, now, if that thing happens, yeah. it's hyper-problematic. Then it was just like, one of the only options. That's one of my understandings of that. Yep. But I'll tell you right now, the more you study the Bible, which you should because it's a playground of, of fun. Uh, but the more you study the Bible, the more you realize you have more questions that yeah, should yeah, invite yeah. you. And Genesis 1 <laughs> through 11 is a very sh- strange, fragile part of those questions. Yep. But I, I think underneath the text of Genesis, the writers of Genesis want us, want us to go – we're always going to be running on our own. Like, we're always going to be like somebody's looking over our shoulder. Like, we're going to be looking over our shoulder if we try to do it on our own. That's what Cain did. And he tried to take matters into his own hands. And so even with, if that narrative feels strange, like, who is the they? Like, what in the yeah, world? Yeah. It, it's, it's a commentary on, on the first sin and then all the way to the Babel yeah. sin. Uh, yeah,
0: I think it's important, too, to remember, again, like, the, the Bible, we want it so desperately to be an encyclopedia that it has every nook and cranny of every mm. answer we could ever possibly ask, and it's not. There is so much mystery and, and um, requirements to just have faith in some parts that mm. are just, dude, I don't know what's going on there. But also to understand, like, maybe the author's intent of writing Genesis 1 through 12 or 11 is not so much to give us the genealogy of all mankind, but to help yep. us see some other things, like... Um, You know, a lot of scholars think Genesis was authored by Moses. Well, Moses, coming in after uh, after the exodus, is maybe in some ways trying to figure out how can I help these Hebrew people Uh, understand and remind them that our God, the living God, the true Mm. God is better than the gods of Egypt. One of the ways you're going to do that is pick out everything that Egypt has a God for like the sun and the stars and the moon and all those things and then talk about how the one true God created those things, you know? And and so just understanding the context of why they're writing or...
1: And and the other thing is it doesn't matter what worldview you pick. Like I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, what is it? You probably know these stats more recently better than I. If you right now claim to be a follower of Jesus, um... I think the stats, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably know the updated ones. When you go off to college and you get one semester and 75% of you will go, I don't care anymore. So 75% of you, so three out of every four in this room will go, I don't care anymore. Now here's the deal. When you say I don't care, and part of me just wants to be like, go ahead, I dare you. uh, You'll have to try to find another way to look at the world, to make sense of the world. And guess what? Every single way, every single worldview or, or way that you try to look at the world will have way bigger problems than How'd Cain yeah. get married? Every, every like, world and, and so, every world, and so I, I think one of the ways that we believe that the Bible is God's word is to go, we just believe that he speaks and that the things that he hasn't told us are for our good. And one day, heaven will go, oh. And, and so um, I think Genesis 1 through 11 is one of those things that invites trust to go, how has heaven, been unraveled? heaven and earth been unraveled? And, and, and to think practically about um, how God wants to redeem it and, and, and restore it.
0: Yeah. All right, man. So this question is coming in in many different forms. It's actually number four on our slides as well. Uh, But when I die, do I go immediately to heaven? Like right away or? And again, man, you know, the biblical authors use language like falling asleep. There's, for whatever reason, the New Testament authors didn't seem to like to use the word die. And so they would describe death as falling asleep or a slumber, um, something like that. And so, you know, there's a lot of these weird ideas out there of, like, when I die, I'm actually not dead, I'm asleep, and one day the Lord will come. But then you you read the book of Revelation, or even the Gospel of Matthew, as Jesus is talking about the end times, and Jesus is basically like, hey, man, you know that show Walking Dead? Yup. Like, people are going to be popping out of their tombs left and right, and they're going to be coming back and walking around from the dead. And you're like, what? Dude, like... What do you, how do you make sense yeah. of that? So, all right, when, when we die, do we go right to heaven? Is there some interim time? Is, yeah. is there some intermediate period? Is there a waiting? Are we asleep? What's the deal with the zombies? Like, what, Love what's some zombies,
1: on? yeah. My favorite zombies are the ones in Acts, uh, just kidding, uh, Matthew 27, and they get to be double zombies because when Jesus died on the cross, it says 500 people jumped up out of their tombs and started walking around Jerusalem yeah. again, <laughs> yeah. and that's all it says about them. So they died again, so they get... They're going to be double zombies, which it's that's yeah. that's not fair, that's double dipping. Um, yeah, but to answer your question, go to heaven or die. The if we keep talking about heaven as God's space with uh, a redeemed humanity, not in their final state, the answer is yes. And the Bible gives three pictures of this: thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. Um, Paul, Philippians one verses 21 through 27, he says, if I go, I'll go be with the Lord. That's what he says in Philippians 1, 20, 20-ish to 27-ish. Um, and then the other one, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4 and 5, where Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when a follower of Jesus dies from in this earthly body, they will be somehow consciously with and near and in the presence of God in a heavenly space in some way, in a conscious way, that is uh, a relief. That is peaceful. That is relational. As they await, and this is my understanding, because that's an intermediate space. As I they await, have, I shouldn't have given you the lead word there. <laughs> sorry, baby. I was sorry. going. I was going is for a, that anyway. As they await the reuniting of their uh, their body and their spirit. Mm-hmm. So not only did my can I do a serious side note? Yeah. <laughs> not only did my uh, grandma die ten days ago, but this one was actually mm-hmm. harder. My uh, wife's brother died. 14 days ago, and so we had two deaths in the family within a couple days, it was really hard, and my son asked, hey dad, you're the same age as Uncle Matt, how are you not gonna die? Which is a really tough question. And so as mom was um, uh, grieving and processing stuff and trying to be with her family and everything, lots of good convos with my kids, and we were taking a walk one morning, and, thankfully, Uncle Matt's with Jesus, so that's good. It's really beautiful. But they were asking these kinds of questions. Yeah. You know, their younger brains aren't totally processing this. And <clears throat> I gave them the simple answer. I'm like, hey, when we see Uncle Matt and Grandma laying in their respective caskets, it's like, if you look at them, you're like, hey, that's, that's Uncle Matt. But it's not like, he's yeah. he's not there. It's like, That's the house, but no lights are on, Mm -hmm. no no electricity's running. So that's Uncle Matt, but it's not Uncle Matt. So the thing that makes Uncle Matt Uncle Matt isn't there anymore. And so the Bible would call that word the spirit or the soul. And so we believe that the spirit or the soul of a follower of Jesus somehow goes to be with Jesus when they die. Immediately. Immediately, awaiting the day when the soul and the body become one again right. and we get a resurrection body. So
0: let me, let me move this along because I want to ask more about this. So, so for people who believe in Jesus, this is one of the, the coolest things. When I, when I kind of learned this and realized this, for people who believe in Jesus, death is really not a reality mm. in, in a very real sense, right? Like, you know, I, when we talk about Jesus has conquered death, mm. I used to always think about it in terms of like his own. Mm. But in actuality, if what the scriptures teach is, we immediately are with Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There, mm. there is a reality where, for the believer, uh, upon death, it's like this seamless transition into the presence of Jesus. Like it, mm. it, there's not this weird, like it's, a, it's like a biological speed bump. You're not just laying in, you know, in the earth for a thousand years. Like man, I just can't wait till the dude comes. Yeah. You know, like you, you're not consciously. <laughs> aware of yourself underground you you are somehow with jesus but to jim's point there's also all this teaching in the scriptures of our bodies are not yet with jesus and so it is this what the scriptures talk about our souls right away but jesus comes back and resurrects our bodies and then they are rejoined which a lot of other questions are coming in about this very idea which is basically like um what what will those bodies be like um like one question we got was like hey man um I can't remember exactly the wording, but basically I, ha- I have some friends and their grandparents died when they were young and their grandparents believed in Jesus, and now they believe in Jesus. When they die, will their grandparents recognize them? Like what what will our bodies be like uh, so when this, we're in heaven?
1: I actually, the funny thing is I had had a previous version of this conversation with my kids on another walk uh, about three months ago. Our neighbor, Ralph, also a million years old, sweethearted guy. <clears throat> Ralph died, and he went to be with Jesus. He was an awesome dude. Love the Lord. And we were talking about that then, and I was talking to them about one day Ralph will have a resurrection body. Because he, he was like our neighborhood watchdog. He would take walks, and he just kind of slowed down over the years ever since my kids had been born. Yeah. And so, to, you know, his last couple months it was just like, you know, he could barely get to the, the road to, to get the mail or whatever. Um, but we were talking about Ralph's resurrection body, and I said, you know, James and Anna, I don't, I don't know what his resurrection body will be like. But I do know that somehow it will be perfectly suited for him to enjoy God and enjoy God's people and enjoy God's world. Um, So that just seems kind of like a vague throwaway answer. I appreciate the effort of late uh, Middle Ages Roman Catholic theologian Thomas Aquinas. Uh, If you want to pretend that you're smart, you can go read his systematic theology Mm -hmm. called Summa Theologica. And in it, he maintains what if the resurrection bodies are about 30ish years old cuz that's kind of what Jesus was like like yeah that's kind of peak physical fitness without just having kind of, to do a lot just kind of prime <laughs> i'm like prime dude body, i love that guy 500 points for just trying yeah. so just imagine like peak level of physical ability to enjoy life yeah um so whatever our resurrection bodies will be like they will be that in in perfect yeah. aptitude to enjoy God and his yeah. world and others
0: the prime the prime body to experience and live with God forever whatever Which that, means
1: whatever that but yeah, like, for you right here on earth, it means everything's downhill. <laughs> it's, it's, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm 40 already, so yeah. you, you're you right. I'm past, yeah, you're bro, yeah. my
0: heavenly body's going to be back. Yeah, you're years a few ago, years, man, yeah, you're, yeah. years ago. But I can't wait. I can't wait. Back before my back pain and all. Sorts yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Um, Jim Thompson, question number five off the slides Do you believe in ghosts, my man? Oh, wow. Um, getting into the <clears throat> spiritual realm here. If not, what is all the paranormal,
1: dude? I, I mean. One, it just depends on how you define ghost. Correct. I'm sure there's some definition out there where I'm like,
0: yeah, sure, why not? Here's Let me interrupt. Here, here's why I think there's validity to this. I mean, we're talking about heaven and hell and the spiritual realms and the rebellion. As someone texted, like, man, if the Lord is everywhere, where is Satan right now? I think this could tie in some, mm. you know, how many angels rebelled with Satan? We don't mm. know, John says, one-third of all the angels, myriads of myriads of myriads. I I mean, we don't know the exact number, but tons of angels, which are now demons. Are they in hell right now? What's going on? You can answer all that. Um, But here's why I do think there's merit to this is Mark chapter six, the disciples are in the storm, on a boat in the storm, and they look across the waters and they see this figure on the water and they cry out and they say, it is a ghost. And Jesus says, no, no, it's me. fear not and they're like oh whew, okay yeah. Uh, and so even the disciples had this idea of like what are, what are the spirits that and linger I, but uh,
1: yeah I think you're right it's like we our world is what we see is real and that's it and the problem is we see ourselves most of the time and we just think that we're the the point of the world which is also so much problem there uh, the only you know the only Star Wars reference in the Bible it's, uh, it's you know
0: I am a Star Wars fan through and through who else
1: is Star Wars in here oh, okay good Wow, praise the Lord. You guys have yeah, a... Yeah,
0: we are. We are, aren't we? Star Wars for life, guys.
1: So uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Samuel, yeah. Samuel goes into this... Uh, no, no, no. Somebody goes to this uh, like witch lady in the Old Testament, yeah. and she is, her name is the Witch of Endor, which is a moon in Star Wars. But in the Old Testament, this lady's name is the Witch of Endor, and this person goes to her and says, hey, I need you to bring up Samuel's ghost for me so I can talk to it. And the, the text just keeps moving like it was nothing. And this dude just has a con- convo with dead Sam yeah. right there. Just she like, does it. Yeah, She's she able does to do it. it.
0: It's a really bizarre
1: story. <laughs> and so do you believe in ghosts? I think my answer would be depending on the definition. And here's what I would definitely say I believe in. I definitely believe in a realm of reality that might even be more real than this one. You know why? Because you can't perfectly perceive this one. <clears throat> I believe in a supernatural realm and a supernatural world that is real, that engages with the world that is observable to our five senses, and that we need to be open to what God is doing in both, because that's the point of heaven coming to earth. Uh, There just seems to be a negative version of that as well. And so that's not like a freak you out kind of thing.
0: No, and and I would just say, like, um, the scriptures talk, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise, but the scriptures talk about a realm that we do not see. Like, there is a a spiritual realm. This is the realm we're talking about. Like, the spiritual realm and kind of our earthly realm um, have some overlap and uh, demons and Satan himself seem to be operating, their HQ is on earth. It's not like he's in hell, Mm. sitting on a throne somewhere, like a uh, lesser (laughs) demon tempted that guy. Like, it seems like they are on earth right now.
1: But even I think that that question is a commentary of, more is at stake than what I can perceive with my senses. The kingdom of heaven has come to earth in Jesus, and it's advancing whether I believe it or not, so why would I not get on board? And that includes engagement with uh, principalities and powers. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. 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 Very cool, man. Question six, will there be relationships in heaven?
1: Oh, this uh, is great, yo, dude. Are we
0: going to be dating in heaven? Uh, do I need to bring up my, my dating, my relationship series up to heaven? my so Dude, my, my, students my can
1: view on this, my view... That? My view uh, on the answer to this question just changed like two weeks ago.
0: Oh, good. So like, well, for real though. All right. So you're married in this life. You're, yeah. You love each other. You're lovey-dovey. You're experiencing all sorts of things, um, romance in many ways that God intended for married couples to experience. <laughs> Are those things going to be happening in heaven? Yeah. Are we going to date in heaven? Uh, if I see my, my Nana in heaven, will I know her as my grandmother or will it be like so a good. different type of relationship in heaven.
1: Yeah, so here's my here's the way I'm just going to run through this. I think when you see Nana in her resurrected body, you'll be like, Nana, wow, looking great. Like <laughs> it'll be it'll be great. Like you'll not only will you recognize her, but like you'll be so appreciative of that she's in a healthier space and place. Um the the romantic relationship kind of thing. Jesus, uh, dude, Jesus shuts down the conservatives and the liberals in the same passage over the same issue. Matthew twenty two. The Sadducees were the liberals. They only believe in five books of the New Testament, uh, or five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, and the Pharisees were the hyper tight wad conservatives, and they believe in the whole Old Testament, but they added more rules to it. So they asked Jesus about marriage in <clears throat> heaven. Really and, complex, complex yeah. question. Oh, dude, it's Matthew twenty two. Just go read it. It's study. It. It's really fun. But Jesus says this phrase. He says. In that day, they will no longer uh, marry or be given in marriage. So it doesn't say whether or not your marriage on on earth will have some sort of continued subsistence on the other side. It just says they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. So no weddings in heaven. (laughs) No weddings in heaven appears to be one of the implications. But the point there, that's not the main point. Jesus' point there is that there will be heightened intimacy. All the intimacy that you're searching for right now, the sense of belonging that you're searching for, that will be fully felt and enjoyed in all of the ways that it needs to be there. So... My favorite way to answer this question is an old black pastor was one time asked, "Preacher, do you think we'll know each other in heaven?" And I say this at every funeral of every Christian I ever I ever get to do, and he said, "Brother, I don't think you'll know each other until heaven," Ooh. which is the best way to best man. way to answer that. That <clears throat> dog will hunt. Yeah, that right? dog will hunt hard. Yeah. Which is the most beautiful redeemed version of that. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's good. All right, Jimmy T, uh, we're gonna we're gonna speed through, man. We've got some good questions here, and I want I want to make sure we get to some of them. Um, so. How? This is a multi-tiered question. All right. This is not on the slides. This is is from like this is a a combination of many texts. All right. Um, We believe that demons are fallen angels, which would which would mean that at one time the angels in heaven with God, perfect harmony, everything, decided in that reality to rebel, to rebel against God. Yes. Side note here. Any Lord of the Rings fans in the house? Okay. Good. It's way better than Star Wars. Um, if you read the If you read the Silmarillion, like Tolkien's take on Melkor's rebellion in, in <laughs> chapter one of the Silmarillion is it's and he'll say like it's not a it's not a parallel, but oh, oh man, it's so good. Um, but so how how did they decide to rebel? If you're in heaven with God, you're an angel, you're like, yo, dude, I'm dope. Look at all these wings. What makes you say, Rebe- rebel? <laughs> all right, so how are they able to rebel and why? And and one day what we come to understand is that we will be in the new heaven and new earth. Yeah. Will one day in that new heaven and new earth we decide to rebel? Why or okay, why not? Th- yeah, that's... A- and... Are we just trapped in this endless cycle of rebellion and in the new heaven and new earth, that gets separated, and then Jesus has to come all over again? That's just bad Buddhism right okay, there. Okay, so, so yeah. all right. So what's the deal here? What's the deal here?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, when, when God promises Father Abraham, hey, man, I'm going to give you descendants as many as the, he says two things, the what? Stars in the sky and as many as the? So that's heaven and earth, right? So I'm going to give you as many sentences, stars in the sky, sand and the shore. Um, in the same way that earth has a creation and fall narrative, so does the heavenly realm have a creation and fall narrative. Uh, the problem with this question is that we don't know as much about the creation and fall narrative, and so when you don't know as much, you tend to think the worst, and so we make up specificities of that heavenly creation fall narrative. Um, But the reality is, all we know from Scripture is that those seem to parallel somehow. Now, um, that answer is good enough for me. There are a couple of answers people say, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, Mm -hmm. Revelation 12. You can find some hints there. Maybe some Matthew 23. Maybe some answers in there. No, that's a lie. Matthew, yeah, no, 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 25 perhaps, whatever. (laughs) Um, But the answer of how do we know when we get there it's not gonna happen again. And the, the, the best answer I've ever heard to that question is, how do we know when we get to the new heavens, and new earth, and all that stuff, it's not just gonna be like, oh, well, I'll fart, Genesis three again. Like, how do we know that's not gonna be the case? And here's the answer, uh, the finality of the cross. So in the book of Hebrews, which I know you love, it says that Jesus died once and for all, period. The work is done. The, it's finished, he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, period, end of discussion, end of question, and he saves us for all time, ages upon ages. In fact, the, the Greek language in the New Testament talks about ages upon ages upon forevers, upon eternities upon eternities upon eternities. So the linguistic power and finality of the New Testament doesn't seem to lot for any version of that being a contingency on the other side. Cool, man. Thanks. dude. Everyone, yeah, everyone
0: get that? <laughs> Good. If you didn't podcast or YouTube. Jim, quick yes or no. Yes or no. No elaboration. Okay. Will there be animals in heaven? Yep. Nice. Nice. So for all you pet lovers out there, for all you pet lovers, and, and you're like, I couldn't imagine heaven without my cat. All right. Congratulations. You're...
1: You're, it doesn't say anything I, about resurrection bodies, I, though. So, like your dog that was tripod, he's still going to be tripod. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, you know. yeah he's t- <laughs> Jim. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jim, this is, this is a bit of a harder one. Um, I've gotten a ton of texts about this one. Um, and so, let's talk about it. I think in the south there's some uh, buzzwords around this that aren't necessarily biblical, but they are helpful. And so, the question basically is like... Um, <laughs> The category of, um, and it's it, it's incredibly sad and delicate to talk about, so I'm not trying to make light of it, the, the category of infant deaths, um, and then also people whose um, mental development is so far behind mm. that even though physically they may be, yeah. you know, 40, 50-year-old <laughs> person, their brain is still in, in the very undeveloped uh, realm of adolescence or or child. Yeah. And so... When when those two categories of people die, how do we deal with that in our understanding of the gospel and and Jesus as salvation? Like, does the scripture speak to that at all? Or are we just kind of left wondering, will they be in heaven? What do what you think,
1: man? That's a great question. Um, if you've lived long enough and you have any soul inside of you and any sensitivity inside of you, you will know people who have had a miscarriage, mm-hmm. um, and that's always very 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 difficult. It's very difficult to know how to care for them. Even if you have a Bible answer, it's just like, this is the answer. Um, the grief there is so particular and difficult. Um, I, I think the thing that gives me hope when I think about the answers to those questions is, one, we don't have a lot of Bible that directly addresses that. David and his uh, David loses a child, and the conversation that he has with God is very interesting. I believe that's in... Um, Second Samuel chapters uh, 13, 14, and 15, so you can go look at that if you'd like. But I think the thing that gives me the most rest and the most peace um, is the consistent mercy of God and the kindness of God uh, to, the, to the less fortunate, to the broken, to the unable, <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm.
1: to where one of the first things out of Jesus' mouth is, hey, you're blessed and you're fortunate. If you are poor in spirit and you're, you mourn. Um, so that, that kind of thing. Um, a few years ago, I was prepping for a message that had a really hard section in it And Charlie gave me the best, like, the best, like, kind of two cents. And it was kind of a throwaway piece of Charlie advice. Usually his advice where he's like, look at me, dude, you got to do this. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got that. But this was like a throwaway piece of advice. And it came to be such a comfort to me. Uh, he just said, one day when we get there to heaven, we will look at Jesus in the eye and we will go, oh, you did all things well. Like the way that things happen could have not happened any other way mm-hmm. for your glory. Like that. you did all things well and it all makes sense now. And wh- now I see why I was so confused, but I could, I, I could not have seen how it all worked together so perfectly. And so the guarantee of that future redeemed conversation, Gives me peace now and hopefully pastoral sensitivity, wisdom, and grace now to encourage people in those spaces to go. We we get we get to and have to trust yeah. the kindness of God and the yeah. mercy of God in this. Yeah, and I, yeah. I
0: think Jesus' elevation of children, like uh, yes. in culture and how Rome viewed children in that day, and even how Hebrews viewed children, Jesus' elevation of children, and even to say, like, dude, theirs is the kingdom. Yeah. Like these kids right here. Yep. The kingdom belongs to them. You have to be like them to. Um, and, and so I think there's some things in that. I think what we want to do is like, okay, but what age is it? Not is it like yeah. eight after? Is it so nine and on? And, 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 same, and so it's like,
1: I mean, on, on the other side, the, our Roman you know, Catholic friends have the age of accountability. Right. And I also don't. I mean, that's not in the Bible. And so right. like, it is. It, it's a loose, difficult, fragile thing. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah requires man. a lot of trust out of us.
0: Absolutely. Um, Jimmy T, what is hell? The idea of hell, Um, who goes there, what is it intended for, Uh, those type of things. Getting a lot of text about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Heaven and hell are not opposites in the Bible. Google how many verses have heaven and hell in the same verse in the Bible. I'll help you, zero. Um, Heaven and earth are opposites in the Bible. And sin, death, and hell are the impersonal trinity that have mysteriously snuck their way into God's good world, the marriage of heaven and earth, and the marriage of God and humanity. So whatever hell is, it is a mysterious space and place and location of which sin is the engine, death is the result, and hell is the space. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's the impersonal trinity that has somehow invaded God's world, and without God's help and God's mercy, you all contribute to its presence and its furthering. We all do. Now, as for the finality of hell, there are several options. You have universalism, where everybody gets a ticket. Yeah, okay, sorry, man. Universalism, everybody gets a ticket. Yeah. Uh, Then you have what's called annihilationism, which is people go to hell for a certain period of time and then they cease to exist anymore. They are annihilated. Um, And then you have... The historic Christian view, which is usually called ETC, eternal, or ECT, eternal conscious torment view. And then you have the footnote over here, which is the Roman Catholic purgatory, where mm-hmm. you go for a while, and then after enough people give money to the Roman Catholic Church and pray for you, then you get to do one of these things over here. Yeah. <clears throat> so those will be the four, universalism, annihilationism, eternal conscious torment, and the purgatory footnote on those. Um, I don't think the Bible has enough warrant to talk about universalism to uphold that position. Um Annihilationism is, can be an interesting biblical discussion. I have godly, godly, godly Bible-thumping friends who hold to that position. Um, if you hold to that position and it, it waters down your sense of mission, urgency, and responsibility before a holy God and the power of the Spirit in Jesus' name with an open Bible and a community of faith, then that position is wrong. I also know friends who hold to the latter position and don 't have any sense of missional urgency and they 're just woohoo Calvinism yeah. predestination throw in the whole thing and it's it 's wrong uh that 's also wrong um the best The best definition i 've ever heard of hell comes from c s Lewis for me oh, now you, we can take all the biblical texts and write them all down and talk about them and debate them and This is extra fragile. <clears throat> But Lewis said, imagine hell as a long table, a banqueting table, where everybody sits down to eat the most glorious food and drink they've ever had, and they sit down to eat, and they go to eat, and they're across from these people, and they go to eat, and all of their arms are straight, unbendable spoons, and all they do for all eternity is they try to feed themselves, and the torment that results in them trying to feed themselves and unwillingness to feed the other, that is the definition of hell. It is desire recognized and yet unmet. Mm-hmm. And that has helped me because the images of fire that we see related to hell in the New Testament don't seem to to fit because also it's called a place of utter darkness, but there's fire. Mm-hmm. So if there's fire, then you can see things, but if there's utter darkness, you can't. And so those images cancel each other out. So who goes there? <clears throat> uh... I, First of all, there's there's many, many questions associated with this. Who goes there? It seems to be people who refuse to acknowledge Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and to follow him. They, they go to this place. And however you end up with a definition of hell, if you refuse to talk about the cross of Jesus in your definition, then you are definitely wrong. <clears throat> all of the pain and agony and suffering and evil and lust and greed and hate and cancer and war and... Um, just all of the evil in the world, all of it, is a result of sin, death, and hell. All of the pain and evil in the world. And the point of the cross of Jesus is that he came to take that into himself so that you wouldn't have to experience the result of it. Sin is the kind of engine for it. Death is the kind of pathway to it. And then hell would be the space of it. So that you wouldn't have to experience the full narrative of sin, death, hell. He came to take that to himself on the cross. And you deserve to take that on the cross. So Jesus took our sin, death, and hell for us. And so that is how the good news outshines the bad news, is that Jesus came to take that for us. And that should energize us and motivate us and give us a sense of urgency to be salt and light, to tell other people, hey, the kingdom of the heavens has come to earth right now in Jesus, and this doesn't have to be our story, whatever that thing is. No matter how scary or weird or dark it is, it doesn't have to be our story anymore because Jesus came to take that for us on the cross and then set us free to be in his kingdom forever. Yeah, and so I think this question is extra fragile. Yeah, it is. And to the and I have a, a lot of other notes on that. If you guys are interested, you can email me. Um, but to the extent that that answer, your answer to that waters down the cross, then that's that's an unhelpful answer. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I think too the overall uh, narrative of the Bible is so helpful. Again, like we've talked about it so many times in the series, but God has desired to be with His people and to share Himself with His people, but He will never force them to reciprocate love. And so there, there are a few times throughout the Bible where rebellion just reached a peak mm. and God basically was like, I, I will not force you to love me. So I'm yeah. giving you over to your rebellion. Yeah. Um, Genesis 11, Tower of Babel is a great example of that. Romans 1 talks about that as well. Um, God does not force us to love him, though he desperately wants to have a relationship with us. And so the realities of hell are kind of like a, a manifestation of that reality where it's like if if in our lives we have decided we do not want a relationship with God, it seems like he honors that decision mm. instead of forcing the opposite. He yep. does not strong arm us. He does not force us. Like when you die, he's not like, well, you didn't choose me, but I really want you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewire your brain for you yeah. like no there, there seems to be a very real like he allows us to rebel and allows us to remain in the consequences of that rebellion hmm. um instead of forcing us or instead of making robots would just love him you know because of that's what they're told to yep. do and so um all right man i wish we had more time to explore some of these last question bro all right i'm ready we, we gotta wrap this up when we get to heaven are we we actually going to see god are we actually going to interact with Jesus? Um, I mean, daily life, like also, can we all fit in heaven? I'm getting tons of texts about, like, bro, <laughs> if heaven is for people past, present, and future who believe in Jesus, like, can God really yeah. fit us all in there? And so, will I we?
1: Heard that, I heard that uh, everybody alive right now, what is it? Eight point, what are we up to? 8.8 billion? Is that uh, what we're up to? I don't know, man. Can stand like shoulder to shoulder in Texas. Is that true? I, I might be lying, but I heard that somebody say that in passing, and I was like, get out! I mean, I know Texas is big, but... I don't
0: know about that. I do know if you take all the Ford F-150s... Let's do it. In that Texas? ...that have been created oh. since like 1990-something and set them side-by-side, side, not bumper-to-bumper, mirror-to-mirror, they could lap the earth twice. Sweet Christmas.
1: Are you serious? I'm
0: 100% serious, bro.
1: That's, that's some Ford F-150s. That's a <laughs> lot
0: of truck right there, my man. Um... I'm shocked they have so many mechanical problems when they're producing them with, with such efficiency.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's one of those things where we have so much other clarity of heaven coming to earth and of the, the assurance of the future. We have so many other things that are really clear about it that that's one of those things that goes, oh, well, we'll see. It's like. Am I going to have a resurrection body? Yeah, because Jesus had a resurrection body. Am I going to be able to perfectly love and joy and uh, play and serve and dance and sing and all those things? Yeah, how's that going to happen? I don't know. Is everybody going to do that? Yeah, how's it going to happen? I don't know. Will I see Jesus? Yeah. How's he going to have time? Is he going to be like, clone Jesus? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But do I think there's enough clarity in Scripture to guarantee that that will be the case? Yes. And that might leave me with some more smaller questions, but I think that, includes the intimacy of god the beauty of god um uh, the nature of eternality like all all these uh kinds of things yeah yeah cool man thanks
0: jimmy t uh well i said that was the last one let me let me ask this (laughs) one because this one's come up quite a bit there's this weird idea in the south that's like man if i live a good life dude Hmm. jesus is building me a mansion but if i live a really good life he's building me like a cabin, a, th- a, th- a three-story mansion. You know what I mean. So this idea of like, like life and rewards, like what mm. is, when Jesus tells his disciples, "I go to prepare a place for you," that can definitely lead to some works-based responses. Like, Ooh, yeah. well, I want a big house for all eternity, so I better serve the poor. Like, what what is Jesus talking about in that? Is there a reward system? Are we, you know?
1: Oh, dude, it's, it's such a good. Do we well, get
0: gold, silvers, and bronzes up there? So right there,
1: at the old the old King James back when back you know four hundred years ago, translated it in such a way uh, that I think it was mansion. Mm-hmm. So now our word mansion means this you know a Huge sweet house. sweet place, yeah. and then it was just like <clears throat> a dwelling place. The Greek word is the word for dwelling place. Like I'm going to make you a dwelling place. It's the word for abide, abiding place. That's in John 14, John 15. He says to abide, which is the same version of. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is here, so you need to abide in the kingdom. So stay in the kingdom because you get the kingdom. That's the same kind of parallel, that same kind of paradigm. <clears throat> I do think uh, there's an interesting place in 1 Corinthians 3 that talks about rewards mm-hmm. and not not planning for the kingdom of heaven right now like you would – plan for your earthly things. Uh, And so it does seem to be that there will be levels of reward of enjoyment there. Uh, But uh, my good friend and yours, Don Howell, used to say that, let's say I get to the new heavens and the new earth, and my level of rewards is this little mug right here. And, you know, Billy Graham's is a 50-gallon drum. And the thief on the cross, he just has the little thimble there. But the whole point is that heaven will be so good, glorious, and beautiful that all of those vessels, as it were, would be overflowing so that I don't look at yours and be like, dude, Billy, you got the 50-gallon drum, bro. What's up? I just got a mug or or, or whatnot. It'll just be, (laughs) no, my experience of God is totally and completely overflowing Mm -hmm. with gratitude and joy and worship and service and these things. Yeah, Yeah. cool, man. Yep. Thanks, Jimmy. Dude, it's been fun. (laughs)
0: Guys, let's give it up for Jim Thompson. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate it. I know I I know, I kept us over, but we don't get to you very often, and we're trying to squeeze a lot into a limited amount of time. I've got a million more questions rolling in. We just can't answer. So who knows, man? Maybe there will be a part two one day. But, Jim, thanks so much up. for serving us, man. We love you. You're awesome. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for our brother Jim giving us some clarity and insight on um, some of our questions. And we thank you for your word uh, that we can open and maybe not get every single answer to every question we have but god you have inspired a book that has been written uh through your spirit through through the the hands of your people to give us some sense some puzzle pieces of how to make sense of some of these more um, curious questions and so we do thank you for that father that we're not left utterly in the dark but we have hope and we have some understanding of the plan and what you're doing in the here and now and what you will do forever as we get to spend that forever with you through our faith in jesus we love you god i pray over this room of students that we would continue to pursue jesus to ask great questions like this and to pursue the truth Um, and father that that we would begin to understand the narrative of heaven and earth and how significant that is to understanding kind of our life and our role in this life and Jesus and what he did and, and why he did it and what the future holds. Jesus, we pray these things in your name and through the power of your spirit. Amen.